Often we talk on RNIB Connect Radio about technological or medical advances that can help those with visual impairments. Well, today we are looking at a medical step forward and we're heading to Philadelphia in the United States to speak to Paolo Falabella from Sparks. Paolo, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Tell me, first of all then, Paolo, a little bit about the company. Well, at Spark Therapeutics, uh, we are a gene therapy company. We're based in, in Philadelphia, and uh, the company is focused on uh, three areas. One is ophthalmology in the retina, hematology, and also degenerative diseases. And the company works on a platform that uses viral vectors or modified viruses to address genetic diseases. When we, we talk about gene therapy, that is really cutting-edge practices to be in. It must be an exciting place to work. Absolutely, in exciting times as well. Some people say it sounds like science fiction, and actually it does. And the field has seen amazing advances in the last decade or so. So absolutely, it opens the door for treatment and a lot of hope for patients too. We talk about technology advancing on an almost you know, daily, weekly, monthly basis, but when it comes to medical advances, you know, you're in. We talk about gene therapy or stem cell treatments. That must be the same. It must be a very rapidly developing area. It is, but but it's also important to mention, for example, that one of our programs that we'll be talking about soon. It uh, the the research started 20 years ago in the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And so it's also based on a lot of research uh, that started in academia. But you're right. I mean, the last, we can say the last decade or so, the bridge between academia and, and actual uh, potential treatments coming to the marketplace, I mean, this is it's ha- um, happening at a faster pace in the last decade. Is it also fair to say that we talk about advances being fast and, and quick but when you think about the time that it possibly takes from an initial idea to a clinical trial that can obviously be some time it takes a very long time we have to acknowledge as well that many ideas if not most ideas that start in the bench do not make to it past to 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 patients in the end it's a rough road to get there with many steps starting first with lab work and then moving on to animal testing and then finally to human testing, we can take sometimes a decade to, to get through this phase. That's why it's so exciting when you see a, a project, uh, an investigational product at this point, but that has the potential to really become a treatment for patients if approved by the regulatory agencies. Today we are talking about uh, the next step, if you like, in a particular uh, gene therapy trial. Tell us more about that. Sure. The, the one we'll be talking about, uh, the proposed trade name is called Luxterna. It's an investigational gene therapy product for a condition that affects the retina. And the gene itself, it's called RP65. And uh, this condition leads to uh, blindness or nearly completely blindness in, in most patients. And the technology itself is best described as gene augmentation therapy. So the way it works is that we use a modified virus to introduce a healthy copy of the gene inside of those cells at the back part of the eye so that the, the eye can now go back to its function uh, using that healthy copy. So this program, it uh, addresses one gene of many. Science has shown that more than 250 genes can cause 
inherited retinal diseases. So this um, investigational product targets one of them, that's the RP65 gene. So you're, you're introducing uh, a copy of, of a gene then that has no defects, and that's introduced through, through a virus. Is that the easiest way to deliver this? So this, this technology uses modified virus. We call it virovectors. It only uses the shell of the virus, the external part of it, so it does not create disease inside of the body. And uh, Sparks technology is based on adeno-associated virus, for short is AAV, to introduce genes inside of the cell. So the goal is really to target the, the layer of cells that you're trying to treat. So in this case, it is delivered through a procedure that delivers the solution of the product very close to those cells. So then the the vector or the virus can introduce those healthy copy of the genes inside of those cells. Is the body receptive then to, to taking in this virus with the, the, the repaired gene into it? One of the advantages of the eye is that the, you know, the back part of the eye has a barrier, like the blood-brain barrier. It has one that's called the blood-retina barrier that protects the eye from the systemic part of the body. So uh, having said that, it protects the eye from immunological responses. In terms of the eye, you're introducing this solution in, in a compartmentalized sector, so uh, it prevents uh, those kinds of, uh, of responses. Now, we're talking about um, the gene therapy here at the moment. So what work has been done to test this, and, and how successful has that been? This research has started, like, 20 plus years ago. Initially, there was an animal model. There was an animal model that showed mutations in the same gene, and the RP65 gene was actually a large animal model. It's a dog. And initially, they showed uh, improvement in vision in these dogs and then moved to clinical phase and the human phase. There were two open label studies in a phase one, two. And then um, after that, a phase three study in which patients participated in the trial, for example, the primary endpoint was an ability to navigate in an obstacle course with different light levels. Because one of the uh, most consistent symptoms in this disease is called night blindness or nyctalopia, which is that the patient performs poorly in conditions that are dimly lit. So these patients were able to improve their performance in terms of mobility uh, after receiving intervention with this investigational product. It's a long process, but that first has to show and did show improvement in an animal model and then after that in human phase. And now Spark has submitted the application here in the United States and is waiting for the FDA. It's going to be in January next year. And Spark has announced recently that has submitted to the EMA at the end of last month the application for the marketing authorization as well. And, and now the, the review process starts in Europe as well. Have these improvements that you're talking about in independent mobility, have they continued in the patients who took part in the trial? Yes, in the phase three trial, we have now data that shows two years that is the original intervention group. So there were 20 subjects, 20 patients that received the intervention on both eyes initially, and then there were nine patients that first waited for a year, observed for a year, and they also received intervention after the first year. So we have now two years for the first group and one year for the second. But the longest data we have uh, using this 
investigational product comes from the phase one of the phase one studies in which uh, 11 subjects, 11 patients received the same concentration that was used in the phase three trial. And now with a single injection, they've shown four years of uh, sustained improvement in function after that single injection. And the rationale behind that is that we are introducing the gene inside cells that do not have a turnover. For example, let's use the skin as an example. The skin cells are going to be changed very often in a couple of weeks, but that does not happen with these cells that we are targeting with this product in the back part of the eye. Okay, so once the work is done, that's it. It's done and it's there. You've applied for the, the licenses. Is that another kind of long waiting game? Here in the U.S., it's a breakthrough designation. So we have this six-month period that ends in uh, January 12th of next year. And the European uh, review process, it has started now. And we're looking at some time of the uh, second half of next year um, to receive a, a response from the agency. If that response is, is a positive response, what would the next steps be then for Sparks? In the U.S., once approved, the company is able to then market the product. And then you can call uh, this uh, therapy a actual product, and, and patients may have access to that. In Europe, once the EMA on approval, then you have to take the next steps with each country. It's fantastic news, uh, Paul, that the work is now at this stage that the trials are complete you're applying for the licenses so you know it's, it's a very exciting time and something which we will continue to follow here on rnib connect radio if people would like to learn more uh, perhaps about the company itself and its work is there a way they can do that yeah they, they can check out sparks website sparktx.com and you'll be able to find more information not only about this the trial we just talked about, but also about the other clinical trials that Spark uh, is conducting. Another one in ophthalmology as well for choroideremia, and Spark also has two clinical trials for hemophilia, hemophilia A and hemophilia B. Paolo Falabella, thank you for speaking with us on RNIB Connect Radio. Thanks so much, Alan. Pleasure.